thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A, Illinois. This is a sermon for December 8, 2019, the second Sunday in Advent. The sermon is entitled, A Living Peace, and is based on the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hannell. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here uh, in the Gospel reading, you heard Jesus proclaim the promise of paradise to one of the other criminals on the cross. Our Old Testament reading today, I think, brings to mind paradise. Maybe it's not paradise as you envision it, but the kind of peaceful paradise that Isaiah describes, it sounds more like a zoological paradise. He talks about how the wolf and the lamb will live together, the lion and the goat will lie down uh, the the leopard, rather, and the lion and the calf and the yearling, they'll, they'll all play together. A little child will lead them. In other words, predator and prey, that, that distinction will no longer exist. That epic battle of survival of the fittest will come to an end because there will be peace. But The more you hear that description, the the weirder it sounds. I mean, can you imagine a little infant, a toddler, sitting before a rattlesnake shaking its tail, and that snake is not trying to scare the child. The snake is not about to attack the child. Instead, it is shaking its tail for the sheer delight and pleasure of that young child. It, It sounds like a comic fantasy, right? It is not a world that we recognize. I mean, whenever we take our kids to the zoo, we know it's a great way to to break up the day. It's a fun diversion. But as parents, you also realize that the zoo is a place that has some very real dangers. I mean, there's a reason that those animals are behind a big fence or a enclosure. Because if this were the real world and that animal was right in front of you and you were there, you know you'd have to run for your life to avoid being some animal's dinner that day. The peace that Isaiah talks about, it almost doesn't seem real. It sounds like some wishful thinking, some vain hope, except it's not. The the peace that Isaiah is proclaiming is a very real peace. It is not some transient dream. It is something that will exist. And just so that we know that, Isaiah prefaced that paradise with the plan for that paradise to come into existence. And it's something that we're all preparing for. It's a piece that we should know all too well. Because Isaiah talks about how there is this stump, the stump of Jesse. And from this dead stump, life will come forth again. There will be a branch 
that comes forth, and it will bear fruit. This is a poetic way of speaking, but essentially what Isaiah is saying is that this stump of Jesse recognizes that there's a person behind all of this. It's the family of King David. See, King David's father was Jesse. And so from the stump of Jesse means from King David's family line, there will come forth a branch, a person. This person will bring forth this peace. Now in the Old Testament, they recognize this person as the Messiah. From our perspective, we also recognize it's the Messiah, but we know the Messiah has a name, an identity. This is Jesus. Jesus is that branch that comes forth from the stump of Jesse and bears fruit. That's the peace that we are going to be celebrating in just a couple of weeks. That's the peace of the angels when they sing that song, Peace on earth, goodwill to all. The peace that comes from Jesus. But how is it? that Jesus brings this peace. What is it that he does that makes such peace possible? Well, Isaiah, I think, talks about that too. He he talks about this Messiah, Jesus, will come to do his Father's will. Isaiah talks about it a little bit differently. He talks about how his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Now, I don't think that that means that Jesus was like a lamb standing in front of a wolf living in terror. That's not how Jesus thought of his father. Instead, it talks about how Jesus was in total submission to his father's will. That he lived his life with only one thing. He didn't come with his own agenda of what he wanted to accomplish. He only knew his father's will his father's agenda, and he came to do that very thing. But Jesus came with gifts from his father. Jesus, the son of God, came with the powers of his father. He came with the power and the strength of God, his heavenly father. He came with righteousness. He came to do what was right in the eyes of the Father. That's something that you and I struggle with all the time. We don't do what is right. But Jesus came to make everything right by doing what is right. Jesus came with wisdom and understanding. Even though when people, and that's not just the Pharisees and the crowds, but even his own disciples, when they saw him do things, when they heard him speak certain words, messages, they didn't recognize that wisdom. They didn't recognize that as wisdom from God. Instead, they thought it was foolishness. But nevertheless, Jesus came with his Father's wisdom. And above all things, Jesus came for one purpose. He came to make peace. To make peace between God and all of creation. Like, not just peace between us, not just peace between us and God, but peace between all of creation and God. And this is something that I think we often forget. But sin and brokenness, Adam and Eve's disobedience doesn't just affect us. The whole world was cursed 
because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. The whole world stands in the state of sin and brokenness. But Jesus came to bring peace. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, Paul wrote that that God makes peace by Jesus' blood. That is, that Jesus' death on the cross is that ultimate purpose. The ultimate reason Jesus came. And the cross was to make peace. But Paul says that this peace is a reconciliation. Now normally I think we talk about peace as the forgiveness of sins. And that is true. But I think we're so used to talking about the forgiveness of sins that it just it sounds like a transaction. Like we have created this large debt and Jesus paid the bill and now we can just go and do whatever because all is well. But when Paul talks about how Jesus makes peace, it, it's a reconciliation. This is really a relational word. It is talking about restoring a broken relationship. And when Paul talks about this reconciliation that Jesus makes possible, this peace that he brings, he talks about it as a peace that is between God and all of creation. That that all of creation is restored by the peace that Jesus brings. And we know that this was the message of Jesus. This message of peace. This message of reconciliation. Because after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus came to that scared little band of disciples that were locked in that upper room. And what was the message that he gave to them? What did he say? Peace. My peace I give to you. But what is more? That peace, that reconciliation didn't just mean that they were good with God. Jesus wanted the whole world to know that the reconciliation that was made possible by his death on the cross was for all people. And so Jesus said, my peace I give to you and I send you. Because as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. For what purpose? To make this peace known. To make this peace known to all parts of the world, to all parts of creation. And as the disciples were sent out to bring this message of reconciliation, this message of peace, wherever they went, it was as if that prophecy from Isaiah 11 was being fulfilled. Because you see, this peace of Jesus is not a dead peace. It is a living peace. It is something that is alive, that is real, that touches people's lives. Jesus is that branch that gave life to the dead stump of Jesse. Jesus gives life to us, and that branch bears fruit. The fruit that we know. We who know the peace of Christ in our own lives. See, it doesn't matter what city we live in. It doesn't matter what year it is. If you know the peace of Christ, just like the disciples were sent out, God sends you out into this world of hurt and fear to bring peace, a real peace, a living 
peace. So where can you bring it? You're probably going to be able to answer that question better than I can. Because I don't know exactly where God has placed you. I don't know exactly what situations you're dealing with in your life. But I can almost bet that there are situations that you're all dealing with where you can bring God's peace. Where you can bring that peace of Christ. Maybe you know a a home who has been shattered by crime. Maybe you could visit. Maybe you could share a meal with them. Maybe you could pray with them or pray for them. Maybe you know a Christian organization that works and supports kids who have suffered abuse. Maybe you know an organization that helps women who are in abusive relationships or domestic violence. And, and maybe there's a way that you can share your gifts with them to bring the peace of Christ to these people. Maybe you know somebody, especially at this time of the year, that's really struggling with some financial difficulty. Maybe you can offer them a word of encouragement. Maybe you can lend a helping hand somehow. This might sound out of place, but maybe there's a furry friend who's coming around your house, starting to get colder. Maybe there's some kind of kindness that you could show that animal. Because after all, the peace of God, this promise of restoration, it's not just about us. It's about all of God's creation being restored, isn't it? The late John McCain was once asked about his personal journey of faith. And he told one story that that seemed to, to represent that journey really well. It's about when he was still a, a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. He was tortured there in the in the camps. And one of the ways that they would torture the prisoners is that they would bind them and they would bind their heads as well as their hands and they would bind their heads so that their heads were between their knees, which is a rather uncomfortable position. And sometimes they would keep them in that position all night long to prolong the torture. One night, John said, a guard came into his cell. Didn't say a thing, but loosened those ropes so that John wouldn't have to spend all night in that torturous position. The next morning, before the lights came on, before anybody else came into the cell, that same guard came in, tightened the ropes, left, said nothing, so that no one would know what happened that night. John then said, a few weeks passed, and it was Christmas Day. And there in the prison courtyard, the same guard came up to John. Didn't say anything, didn't make eye contact with him, but just came up to him and was looking down at the ground. And there in the ground, with his foot, he made the sign of a cross. They said nothing to each other. They didn't look at one another. But that was enough. Do you see what that's like? 
one disciple bringing the peace of Jesus to another disciple. Now, it doesn't mean that that person's able to take away all of the hurt and pain, but they bring peace, not by taking those things away, but instead by bringing the peace of Jesus. What Isaiah talks about, that peace of paradise is real. Now, I know we don't yet live in the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. We're not there yet. There will be a day when this paradise that was lost will be restored. When animals will lie down together in peace and harmony. When all of creation will know the peace of Christ in its fullness. And I know we're not there yet. But the peace of Christ is real. The peace of Christ is living. And it means something for us today as we journey through this world of pain and hurt. It's my prayer that you know that peace of Christ. That you know that peace of Christ in the midst of your own lives even if your own lives are filled with pain and hurt. See, as you know that peace, I think you know as well that that's what the world needs. What the world needs now is to know the peace of Christ in you to them. And so it's my prayer that the Prince of Peace would use you as his instruments of peace. Amen. And now may that peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and choosing an option at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.